Welcome to the first NSB podcast. Today is Monday, December 2nd. My name is Luke. I'm the pastor at First NSB, and I'm so glad that you are listening in today. With me, we have our associate pastor, Paul Sanders, and our next generation leader, Joel Kobosh. And gentlemen, tell me, how was your Thanksgiving? We had a good Thanksgiving. It was it was quiet. It was just our, our family, but it was good. We we made we made our Thanksgiving dinner together, and so it was good. Just our little family. It was fun. Yeah, we I had a good time. Enjoyed the grandkids and had the regular stuff and the regular turkey dinner, which is really good. Well, excellent. Well, last week in our podcast, I asked our listeners. The question, what is your favorite Thanksgiving food? And we got two listeners that responded in. One of them said mashed potatoes and turkey gravy. And the other one said sweet potato casserole. Those both sound pretty good. What do you guys think? Yeah, I could go over some mashed potatoes and gravy. Some good mashed potatoes and gravy. Sounds good. Yeah. Oh, always have to have sweet potatoes, too, as far as I'm concerned. So, <laughs> Well, excellent. Well, we are planning... Um, this Saturday to participate in the New Smyrna Beach Christmas Parade. And Joel, you have been involved in all the preparations and the behind-the-scenes work. And um, I understand that maybe we're trying to win this thing. Is that right? Tell us about what's going on with the preparations for the Christmas Parade this Saturday. Yeah, so uh, the, the theme is Gingerbread Jamboree. So uh, we got some... You know, construction workers in there building a gingerbread house. <laughs> so we've been we've been painting things to look like gingerbread, and we made some candy canes that are gonna act as like the the corners of the house. And then we got some gumdrops that are gonna go on there, and we've been painting some lollipops. So hopefully, it, I think it's gonna turn out nice. We got lights; it's gonna go up there. Some Christmas trees. So hopefully, it'll look like a real cool little gingerbread house. So. Well, that sounds great. Yeah. Hopefully get a lot done. There's a couple we were working on it today that hopefully will get things where we can start seeing it come together. So, And when is that exactly? Saturday. Saturday. Yeah, I think in the late afternoon, early evening. Yeah, we're excited. Hopefully, hopefully we get some sort of award. I think we got one last year, uh, but... We're going to the next level here, so. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Well, we are also planning for two Christmas Eve services, 5 o'clock and 7 o'clock. And last year, we had a packed house at our 5 o'clock Christmas Eve service. And this year, we've added the 7 o'clock service. And we are encouraging people within our church to be inviting uh, their friends, inviting their neighbors, inviting coworkers, whoever that may not have a church home to come and be our guest. And so if you're listening in today, I want to encourage you to be with us on Christmas Eve for either our 5 o'clock or 7 o'clock service. And I want to encourage you to be inviting people. Uh, We're looking forward to a great celebration as we celebrate the wonderful gift of our Savior Jesus. Listeners, we'd love to hear some feedback from you. You can text us at 386-777-1417. And uh, we also want to encourage you to download our church app. If you haven't done so already, you can find a lot of great information about our church. And of course, if you haven't um, attended our church, we'd love to have you attend on a Sunday morning, nine o'clock, 
and 10.30 a.m. We have two services, so we'd love to have you come visit for one of our services any Sunday. Well, our current teaching series is entitled To the Church, and that series is going to end this Sunday. We have been going through Paul's letter to the Ephesians, and we're going to look at our final text this uh, this coming Sunday. It's Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 24. So we want to take some time in this podcast, and we want to look at the text. We want to make some observations, have some conversation. And so, Joel, would you go ahead and read the text for us? All right. Uh, verse 10, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the plate fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as your shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak, so that you also may know how I am and what I am doing. Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that we may encourage your hearts. Peace be to the brothers and love with faith from God, the Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with you all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. So when we look at this final part of the letter that Paul's writing, it's really clear that Paul is seeing a, a need for us to put on the armor that God provides us, that there's there's a spiritual battle that we as believers are engaged in. And the idea here is that a spiritual battle requires spiritual armor, right? Because our battle in life is not against people, right? I mean, you may have a conflict with your boss. You may have a conflict with your neighbor. You may have a conflict in your family. But at the end of, of it, it's, it's really not that we're at war with people. We're not battling with people. He's really clear here that, that our battle is against um, these spiritual entities, these evil, hostile, spiritual forces. And that's what we wrestle against. Um, so when we talk about this idea of spiritual battle or spiritual warfare and the need for a, appropriating the armor of God, spiritual armor, um, but let's just talk about that, and and because I mean, do you do you agree that that's that's really the, the the main idea here in this text that 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 we've got to put on the armor that God has provided to us in order to engage in the spiritual warfare that certainly will come our way as believers. Yeah, certainly. I think 
it's a it's a it's a picture a, a picture that he paints a concluding picture just as we've been going through this book and you know we are just we're called to walk worthy to walk wisely and so he ends with this just this picture of it's a battle it's a constant battle <laughs> it's not just something you know we we merrily walk down the road no we're under attack because satan satan hates christ he hates that he he hates God and he hates anything that has to do with right. And so, yeah, there's, there's a battle. And how do we, how do we, how do we defend ourselves? How do we do this? And he uses this analogy of armor of, of how do we do it? And he talks about faith and the gospel and things like that. So, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's uh, astounding to think of the fact that, um, um, we're in a, um, cosmic I like the word cosmic there cosmic battle that God's engaged in against evil and and it's it's not over yet it's it's been going on for a long time uh, we we get indications from reading the Bible that it, there will be a time when it's over but it isn't over yet but the other thing we get an indication is is that the victory is already there where the battle's already won, and uh, so what we need to do is join in and realize that we can win. And I think that's the most that's the most astounding part of of reading Ephesians and reading reading this um, this final passage is that we have everything we need to win. And uh, I think probably if we go back uh, and look at the context this is written in Ephesians. They, the people of Ephesus, they really were enthralled with evil, and with uh, the demon, demons, and and uh, they had all sorts of stuff that they worshipped, and and so they felt very seriously under attack. And to have this rousing statement at the end of the book saying, "Hey, you can, it'll work. All you have to do is stand firm." Yeah, and something else here. I mean, notice. He says, verse 11, he talks about putting on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. So here Paul clearly, in his, in his worldview, in his theology, he, he sees the devil as, as a real spiritual being, a real spiritual entity. And he goes on in verse 12, and he says that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So he's talking about hostile spiritual forces, evil spiritual forces. And you think about in our contemporary context, our enlightened, so-called enlightened day that we live in, um, you know, this idea of spiritual forces of evil and, and the devil, I mean, some people might dismiss that. And yet, there is, a, there is an unseen spiritual world that is very real. The devil is very real. And all of these spiritual forces of evil are very real. And what he's calling his audience to do is to take up God's armor that we can withstand in the evil day. So, so there's a, there's a sense in which we've got to put on the armor that God gives to us because 
I mean, we do have spiritual enemies, correct? Yeah. I think I, I heard a message preached once about this, and he began, it was really the intro to his, his sermon was about this idea of, he gave a, a brief overview of, you know, the beginning to the end of the Bible, and he started with, with the, the pro-evangelion in Genesis 3.15, and he said, what was happening in that passage was Christ was waging, or God was waging war on evil, really. When he says that he's going to crush the serpent's head, he's waging war on evil. And we, we at that point, we were, you know, he, we have, are engaged in that war as well. And, and like you said, that we kind of, we dismiss this idea of uh, power and demons and angels and all that. But I, it's, that, that's very real. And, and even the idea of kingdom, sometimes the Bible uses kingdom language throughout and that Christ is going to reign as our king. And I think sometimes we do because we have fairy tales about kings and queens and, you know, we kind of fantasize that that those things you know that the idea of kings and queens and kingdoms but we are we really are a part of a a kingdom like that is that is a reality we are you know with christ is our king and we are his his subjects in his kingdom and one day we will live in a kingdom the new kingdom and it's it's really a, a cool picture and a, an awesome thing but yeah i think we do we certainly like we we uh we dismiss that a little. We don't see it as that. We that's kind of like fantasy. Like, yeah, devils, demons, angels. You know, it's the devil sitting on our shoulder with the pitchfork kind of thing. And it's like, no, this is this is real stuff. We're in a war, and we have a king that's fighting that. And and like Paul said, the the cool part is we already know, he tells us the end of that story. He's going to crush the head, and that's that's a that's a death blow there. And the serpent bruises the heel, but he doesn't gain victory. We gain victory, and I think I think that's just a really cool picture. Yeah, it's it's interesting to to of course when you you have two in our present culture, you have people who say, well, there's no such thing as uh, spiritual uh, activity. Uh, it's all just uh, atoms, and and we're just here, uh, you know, by chance and by evolution, but in this culture which which teaches this very uh atheistic view of um of the world meaning no god no, nothing people gravitate towards anything that has to do with spirituality and there's all sorts of people that that are you know are are, are, are watching and 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 enthralled with ghost stories with uh, vampire stories with uh um zombie stories and 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 are, are, are you know are, are worried about that and are scared about it so uh, it, it, it seems like you can't escape it no matter how well educated you are and i the other part that i that i that that, that i uh, as i'm dealing with um, suffering in my life i i realize that you know what people want is a suffering free they feel if you win the battle that you won't have be suffering anymore. Well, that isn't true. In fact, if you look at the story of Job, which is a very clear story of interaction with God and the devil, you realize that God says, well, do you worse? Do you worse? It'll, it'll work out okay. 
And as, as and Paul asked that the, the thorn be taken away from the flesh, God said, no, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. So in our weakness, in our inability to cope, in our ability, in, in our feeling that we're being run over by life, by, by suffering, God is there and he helps us win. I find that absolutely amazing and, and very, very full of hope for me. Lots of hope. Yeah, and I think that was your the question that you actually ended with, Luke, was what are some of these attacks that we get is is i think that's right and so yeah i think even that story of joe what was what are the attacks it's the it's it's the suffering that brings and it's those temptations to be defeated it's the temptations to say is is christ really better than my sin than than living the way that i used to and the, i think that's when he we talk to this darkness and spiritual forces it's it is that's that evil it's it's the, the deception that that the devil uses to deceive us into thinking that somehow our sin is better, or even cultural cultural attack. You know, as a whole nation, our country as a whole, or other countries, and just the the ideas that are put out there that attack the truth of God's word. So Paul clearly sees the world. From a biblical perspective, he has a biblical worldview, and and he understands that the devil, Satan, is a real spiritual entity. Now, it, it's important to note, I think that that it's important for us to to, to clarify that, that Satan or the devil is a is a created being. So so we're not talking about a a, a sense in which you know like God and 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 then his adversary, the devil, are like co-equals no that's not the case the god of the bible is eternal the god of the bible is self-existent he is uncreated he is uncaused and the person identified as the devil or satan in the bible is a, is a created being and and is finite and 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 so but as we see that though we still see that we're talking about a powerful evil evil spiritual being and and even peter makes reference to uh the devil uh the apostle peter in first peter chapter 5 verse 8 says be sober-minded be watchful your adversary the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour now that's quite an image um the devil is here referred to as our adversary and he's and he's prowling around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour so so satan wants to do harm satan wants to um to do what is in our worst interest and, and we even say like um when we when we look at the story of jesus um as as jesus was wrapping up his his earthly ministry um and jesus is seated he's with his disciples um it says in Luke chapter 22, verse three, it says, then Satan entered into Judas, who was uh, Judas called Iscariot, who was of the number of the 12. So so we see Satan at work in Judas in in Judas's betrayal of Jesus. And then Jesus tells Simon Peter in Luke 22, verse 31, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail, and when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. So we see Satan or the devil at work as 
the adversary of God's people. I mean, Paul, you referenced the story of Job, and you know we can go back and read the story of Job and see, you know, how Satan uh, w- was involved there. We we can read about his workings. I mean, you think about Jesus tempted in the wilderness, right? Jesus was tempted uh, by the devil, and, and of course, Jesus didn't give in to those temptations. So when we think about this, and we realize that. We've got to stand against, as it says here in Ephesians four, Ephesians 6, rather, that we've got to stand against the schemes of the devil, and our, our wrestling is against spiritual entities. It underscores the importance for us to appropriate or to, or to put on the spiritual armor that, that God himself has supplied us with. And so let, let's talk about specifically what that armor consists of. And he, and he begins to talk about it at verse 14. Verse 14, he begins to talk about it. So he talks about fastening on the belt of truth. Uh, he talks about the breastplate of righteousness. Verse 15, he says, as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Verse 16, he says, take up the shield of faith. And it's interesting, he says, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, right? So just think about the evil one hurling flaming darts at us or other translations. It may say arrows. I'm not sure. Verse 17, it says, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit. Verse 18, it talks about praying at all times. So when we're looking at these um, pieces of armor, what 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 do we what do we understand um, Paul to be teaching us here? What 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 does this what does this mean, and what does this look like for us practically? I think that uh, I, it helps us to understand the context of of the of like a Roman soldier's sort of outfit and and how they. I know we when we went to camp, uh, passion camp. They, they, the speaker there was was talking about that, and he did a real good job of explaining, you know, the the historical outfit or whatever, and the the things that they, the the, the the you know the belt of truth and what it was, and the helmet of the helmet and all the the shoes, and I think it's you know it, it helps us understand the more we understand how that protected them, it helps us understanding how these things protect us. So I. Uh, and I'm not, I'm not completely accurate. I know. I think the one thing that he said was about the shoes. Even that was kind of a new idea, not to, not to skip over truth and righteousness. But I remember he said the shoes of your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. And I think he was talking about the idea that we usually think of that. You know, it's shoes. It's to help us walk, and we're to take the gospel and spread it. And certainly that might be. I mean, certainly we're supposed to spread the gospel. But he was talking about how the shoes were actually. They had like nails as cleats, and the, the point of the shoes was that they had a, a firm footing, because it was you know the the terrain. They needed a firm footing, and so the, the foundational truth of of the gospel of peace and how that the gospel is our foundation. It's it's where we get our footing to 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 keep going forward, kind of idea. And so it's 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 those ideas that I think help us understand truly what is being presented in this passage. Yeah, I mean, you think about truth. Uh, if we if we go back to that belt of truth, 
I mean, where, where do we discover truth to begin with? We discover truth in God's word, right? I mean, we, we, we have objective, fixed truth that God has given to us. His revelation of himself is in the Bible. And so we have the truth that we discover in the Bible. We have the truth of the gospel and any kinds of feelings that we have or any kinds of, uh, of, of, of the information that, that we encounter in the world around us. I mean, ultimately it all should be judged against the standard of, of God's word, the Bible. And, and so truth combats falsehood. Truth combats error. And so truth, it, we've got to appropriate the truth of God. I mean, that's kind of, kind of my thoughts here. Um, you know, I, I, I briefly had re- looked over some, some previous sermon notes, but, but just cause I'm thinking about putting on the belt of truth. Um, it just makes me think of the need for us as believers to to know the truth, and and we need to be reminded of the truth. You think that's fair here? That that not only it's not knowing it, it's the idea of, of the objective truth that we both know and we're reminded of, and 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 we need to we don't need to allow ourselves to fall into deception. Yeah, I th- I've I've heard it described. Maybe maybe you can be too get too crazy with the the analogy but i uh, that the belt the belt was kind of the thing that held everything together and so if we think about it the truth is our the truth is what we go back to it's what holds everything together and it's it's what we if we don't have truth what do we have you know we have to have we have to have some we have to have absolute truth and that's certainly something in our culture that we're, we've tried to done away with, the fact that there is actually a right and a wrong in a true moral way. Yeah, and, and think about, I mean, so if, 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 if a Roman soldier is in view here, or at least if that's kind of the, 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 the analogy or the comparison, I mean, in the same way that a soldier is going to put on armor that is going to protect him in combat, in the same way that he's going to take his sword as an offensive weapon in combat, as believers in Christ who are engaged in a spiritual battle, we have to put on the, the spiritual armor that God has supplied us with. God has given us his truth. God has called us to live in righteousness, right? And we can think of righteousness as, on the one hand, the, the imputed righteousness of Christ that is given to us. Um, so like 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says, for, for God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. I, I think that's correct, that God made him who knew no sin to be sin, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So we have the righteousness of Christ that is imputed to us, but we're also called to live righteously. I mean, it's not like I mean, we are declared righteous by God through faith in his son, Christ. But but we're also supposed to live lives of righteousness and, and holiness. So we live righteously. Um, faith, I mean, faith is on the one hand that which we believe, but also faith is that which we exercise. Right. So, I mean, the faith of the gospel, that's a. That's faith in the objective sense. That's the content of what we believe. But when Paul talks about faith in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, uh, when he says, for by grace you've been saved through faith, 
through faith is the the exercising of trust or belief. And so faith is something we need to practice as an ongoing trusting in the Lord. So these so these are these are things we should be making use of and and we should be putting on daily as those who are engaged in spiritual battle against these hostile spiritual forces. And these are uh, attributes and uh, characteristics of our Savior, uh, as, as it says in Isaiah 59, 17, when he talks about uh, the Lord saw and, and displeased it, and then he said his own arm brought him salvation, his righteousness upheld him, he put on righteousness as a breastplate and helmet salvation on his head. So these are things that come from God that are our part of God that he gives us. Uh, we don't have to go out looking for where, where do we find this stuff. We just say, God, please, please clothe me. Please give me your armor. Uh, this is, I just need to trust you for this. And, um, and it'll come. We don't have to wonder whether we're going to get it or not. We just have to ask for it, I believe. Um, I like the, the idea of the shield of faith, which slings the flaming darts. And James says, uh, when you ask for wisdom, which is, of course, what we need to uh, understand what is truth and what is false, for instance, he says, you must ask without doubting. But if you do doubt, then you're, you can't expect anything from God. Uh, so uh, these are all, all the things that he's describing are, I think, probably if we went through the Ephesians, we could pick out the areas where he's talking about this. This is the culmination of the book where he's saying, put everything I've told you to do, do, and yeah. do it this way. Yeah, I think that's helpful understanding that idea. I like, you know, God, these are things that are a part of God. He's given to us. What we have to do is ask him to, 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 to make them a part of our life. And, uh, yeah, just, just that complete, it's that complete, you know, make these a part of who you are. <laughs> these things that these foundational truths that we looked about early in the chapter, these attitudes that we looked at later in the chapter actions, you know, make them a part of who you are. Yeah. And, 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 and to go along with the prayer piece, uh, it, it, he ends with prayer and, and, uh, some have said prayer is the major weapon we have here. If we don't pray, then we can't do any of this. So it says praying at all times, which I guess means uh, it's both defensive and offensive in terms of a weapon with all prayer and supplication. That's, that's, how, we, that's how we do this. We just go, just go to God and say, God, I, I'm relying on you now. I can't do this myself. Please help me. And you see the, the, the so the verse 17 talks about the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And then verse 18 talks about praying at all times in the spirit. And, and when I think about spiritual disciplines, when I, when I think about the, 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 the kind of, of practices that, that are foundational for the Christian, it, it, it's hard to think of anything more foundational than Bible reading and prayer, right? Because Bible reading is how we hear from God. Prayer is how we communicate with God, right? So we hear from God through his word. We talk to God as we pray. And when you think about the word of God, I mean, it's, it's, it's imperative that we take up the sword of the spirit, 
which is the word of God. So, so I mean, I, I think of like, I mean, I don't think of, I don't think Paul's saying, Hey, like, um, you know, pick up your Bible that's sitting on the coffee table and like, you know, start wielding it like it's a sword. I mean, it's, that's not, that's not the image that, I mean, first of all, they, you know, the, the Ephesians wouldn't have had their own little personal copy of God's word. This, this letter would have been read to them, but, but it's like, it, it's like you take the truth of the word of God and you, you actually appropriate it. You practice it. You, you live it, right? Paul's talked throughout this letter about walking, right? He talks about walking in a manner worthy of the calling to which we've been called. You know, he's talking about walking in love. You know, he, he talks about the fact that we were created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we should walk in them. So he's talking about our behavior. He's talking about our way of life. And so for us, it's important that we know the word of God and that we then practice the word of God. But also prayer is so important because, you know, prayer is is how we communicate with God. Prayer is how, you know, we we praise God. You know, we confess our sins to God. We, we call out to God and we ask for help. In fact, he even says, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. So, so Paul is calling upon his audience to pray for all the saints. So in other words, he's calling on the saints to pray for all the saints. And he's calling on the saints to pray for him. So they're all engaged in the same spiritual battle. And he's talking about praying at all times in the spirit. And, and that is really important when we think about um, the spiritual battle that we're engaged in and trying to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which we've been called, that, that prayer is an essential part of living our lives in obedience to Christ and engaging in the battle that we're in. Yeah, and you think of this image of Paul uh, being in chains. And if I understand it correctly, uh, at times at least, uh, he was chained to a Roman sh soldier. So he's looking at this Roman soldier, big tough guy that he's chained to, so keep him from escaping. And uh, he's in bondage. And yet he's saying, hey, you know, pray for me. Uh, I'm, I'm withstanding evil right now. Uh, we're going to overcome. Uh, I'm so I might be tied to a Roman soldier, but that that's not going to stop God from making things work. Uh, let me let me have a chance to speak, and uh, that's the reason I'm here in Rome. I'm here I'm here to proclaim the gospel. Uh, that's Paul actually knew that he was going to be taken to Rome uh, when he went down to Jerusalem. So it's like like Paul didn't didn't know it was going to happen, and he's saying, "Hey, this is going to work out." I was, I was just going to point out that I think as you guys were talking, maybe think just the importance of realizing that this isn't something that we go alone. We're not lone soldiers. We we're an army. And even that, you know, talking that idea of prayer, it's like we pray for each other because we need each other. And, and, and that's the beauty of the church. You know, that's, that's why we ought to have tight knit relationships in church because, and know each other and, and work at serving each other because, 
we're in this together. We're in this battle and there's strength in numbers. And uh, two is better than one because they have great reward for their labor. If the one falls down, the other can pick them up. And just that idea of coming together as God's people and, and helping each other. We're in a battle. We need each other's help and praying for each other, and encouraging each other. And so important. I just, you mentioned that image of Paul being chained to the, the soldier. And I think it's a, it's an interesting image, you know, thinking of, of Paul here, he's in prison and he's chained to this Roman soldier. I, somebody had joked about the fact that it was probably like a, <laughs> that soldier was probably like, how did I get the job of being chained to Paul? He's <laughs> probably sharing the gospel with them. And <laughs> he's like, ah, how did I get Paul? Yeah, it's interesting. And it makes me think of um, the very next um, letter of Paul in our New Testament, Philippians, where, you know, Paul says in Philippians 1.12, to his to his Philippian audience, I, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel, so that it has so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And so you think about like, well, well, how is it that the whole imperial guard and all the rest have come to know that Paul's imprisonment is for Christ? Well, because Paul told them, right? I mean. Paul is, you know, Paul may be imprisoned, but that doesn't stop him from fulfilling the mission that, that, that Christ has called him to, right? That doesn't stop him from sharing the gospel. And so, yeah, certainly. And it, I even think of um, in Acts chapter 16, where Paul and, um, is it Paul and Silas, I believe, Acts 16, they're in, they're in Philippi, Acts 16, and it talks about, I'm, I'm trying to get there in my Bible quickly as I'm talking here, but in Acts 16, um, Paul and Silas are uh, in, in prison. It says, Acts 16, verse 25, it says, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. So Paul and Silas are praying and singing to God and their fellow prisoners were listening to them. So it wasn't like Paul like shut his mouth and stopped talking about Jesus and sharing Jesus when he was imprisoned. He, you know, it's like it says in Philippians, he says, look, what's happened to me, verse 12, chapter 1, verse 12 in Philippians, what's happened to me has really served to advance, advance, the gospel. So I think that kind of is along those lines of, um, you know, it, it, you know, th there's really nothing that can stop the advance of the gospel. Um, you know, we, we just have to keep doing it, right? Our circumstances, no matter what our circumstances are, we can still be faithful and we can still follow Christ and we can still do what we've been called to do. So what, what would this look like? So in our, in our everyday life, the, the kind of uh, spiritual battles that we might face when, when he talks about putting on the armor of God that you may be able to stand the schemes, stand against the schemes of the devil. Uh, it talks about in verse 13 that you may be able to withstand the evil day and having done all to stand firm. What, what are some of the attacks that, that the devil might bring our way? And, you know, what, what are some things that, that, I mean, just what does this look like practically? 
Well, I think that um, a good deal of the devil tries to do is try to discourage us, say things aren't working out, uh, it's not going to work, uh, there's no reason to keep on going, um, uh, you failed here, um, things aren't going the way you asked for it, you've been praying and and people aren't uh, turning out the way you want them to turn out, uh, you're not turning out the way you want to turn out, uh, you're not perfect, uh, uh, people are looking down on you. Um, that, those are the kind of things that go through my head in the morning. <laughs> a lot of my prayer is, God, forgive my pride. Forgive me for thinking about myself and wondering whether how good I look in front of people. And please help me to trust in you. I, I think it's, just, it's a very simple prayer. You know, God, I've been thinking about all these things that I, that I can't get done on my own, and now I'm turning to you. Yeah. Yeah, think about the serpent, uh, how he approached Eve and his kind of tactic with with Eve all the way back in the garden. I mean, he was he was questioning God and, you know, it was basically, hey, you know, God knows that that when you do this, you'll be like him, knowing good and evil. Right. So, I mean, there's clearly a tactic there in, in how he approaches Eve. Um Right. Because, I mean, the serpent, I mean, he in Genesis chapter three, verse four, he says to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Right. So, I mean, there's there's a tactic in that. You think about, you know, we, we've talked about a little bit, you know, Satan's involvement there in those early chapters in Job. And we see the devil tempting Jesus in the wilderness. And we see the desire of, of Satan to, um, to sift Peter like wheat. And we, we see that the devil wants to do harm and, create doubt yeah i think it is a very a mental and even as as we see our society and the this this uh, struggle with mental illness is you know and it's just it's a mental it, it's he's he's stealing our joy <laughs> he's deceiving us like you say into thinking that what we're doing isn't working or we're not successful or we're not achieving what we want to achieve and and he he steals he steals our joy, and yeah, it's it's very deceiving. <laughs> Satan didn't certainly didn't say, you know, e if you eat of this fruit that your son's going to kill your other son, and <laughs> he's going to be a fugitive. Yeah, it's interesting too. In Second Corinthians chapter twelve, where Paul is talking about the thorn in his flesh. It's interesting that he he says, verse 7 of 2 Corinthians 12, he says, So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh. And then he says, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. That's kind of interesting that he describes the thorn in his flesh as a messenger of Satan to harass him. 
Yeah, and and I and I, I've been dwelling on that verse a lot, and and I realize that God allows. We say allow. I think God sends it to us, gives it to us. How we want to say? He gives us the the uh, uh, the place in our life where suffering, in particular, he's talking about suffering here, something that really tormented him, is suffering. He allows it to happen. He gives it to us in order, it says, to keep us from being conceited. So once he's, Paul asked for it to be taken away, and this is a guy who was able to do miracles on his own, but couldn't save himself here. He said, therefore, I will boast all the more about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest on me. For the sake of Christ, then I'll be content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I'm weak, I'm strong. So all those things, Satan comes by and gives them to us. Satan rubs it in. He harasses us with it. And all it does is make us strong. That's what the devil never, never can understand. He's been doing this for thousands of years, and he still can't understand why when he harasses us, it turns out that God keeps winning. And and then we keep winning, and we have to understand that. We will win. God's power will, will is, when we're weak, then we're strong. That's the armor we have. It's also interesting, in the chapter before that, in Second Corinthians chapter 11, Satan is described, it says in verse 14, it says, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So verse 15 says, it is no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. So, you know, there's deception, I mean, right there. I mean, it says where Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. You know, that, that, you, know you just kind of think about that and you think about the idea of deception well, in the New Testament, it's filled with passages condemning false teachers and being aware of false teachers. There. And, and, and exactly. What you're they're in the church. They're not. Right. They're not the ones outside of the church. They're in the church. Sheep and wolf clo wolves clothing, clothing. Yep, that's right. It makes Yeah, what Jesus said. Or, or wolves in sheep's clothing, rather. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Beware of wolves who come to you in sheep's clothing. Exactly. So I guess how, how, you know, how do we, how do we, how do we protect ourselves against the deception of the devil, I guess, and Paul, you address that a little bit, I guess, and, and I guess that's what the armor of God, but how does that look like practically, I guess, what are, what are the, how does that play out in our lives, maybe? Well, you talked about mental illness. Mental illness is discouragement. Mental illness is not thinking correctly. It's it's it's, it's not uh, having the right frame framework of life. There's no wisdom in mental illness. It's all it's always uh, uh, you're always deceiving yourself. You're deceiving. You're you're thinking. You're not thinking correctly. And um, so when we find ourselves discouraged and and um, despairing and um, and depressed. I think immediately we need to go back to God and say, God, what's going on? I'm, I'm not, I'm obviously not trusting you right now. If I was trusting you, I'd be rejoicing. I can't rejoice right now. And that's where prayer comes in. Lord, I want to rejoice. Help me rejoice right now. Help me to, to not be anxious. Help me to pray. Help me to come to you. 
Help me to have the peace which is promised. Philippians 4 promises if we, if we pray, we will have peace. And, and if we don't have that, if we don't have peace, then, uh, then we're being attacked and uh, we're, 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 we're failing. We don't have to. God promises he'll, he'll deliver us. I think part of it, too, is we, you know, we, we don't have to know every, every counterfeit, but we, we need to be very, very close to and, and very aware of what is true and what is right. And, and the way we know what is true and what is right is through the word of God. And, and ultimately, everything, we should test it against the word of God, and we should we should be careful to try to want to to understand well what does God's word teach what's the truth of the Bible, and 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 ultimately our feelings our feelings and our heart our emotions all of those kinds of subjective things happening on the inside the things going on in our mind the things going on in our in our inner being all of that is should be subject to the objective word of God. And, and we've got to make sure that we're drawing on the strength that God supplies, that we're praying and asking for the Lord to give us wisdom, right? James tells us if any of us lacks, at lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, right? Um, and, and that we are calling upon God and we're trusting in the Lord and, and then, you know, we're not trying to do it alone. We're, you know, we're not trying to, to engage in spiritual battle by ourselves. I mean, you know, he says very clearly that we are to he says here in ephesians 6 verse 10 be strong in the lord and in the strength of his might right not like hey be strong by yourself we're, we're strong in the lord in the strength of his might we're leaning upon the lord we're trusting in the lord um i mean the the text we looked at in second corinthians 12 paul says hey when i'm weak then i'm strong Right. So our strength comes from the Lord and trusting in him. But also God has put us in a church family and we need each other. And so we encourage each other and we are there for each other and we pray for each other. and We build each other up. We encourage each other. We challenge each other. And above all, we need to be obedient. God shows us someplace where we need to confess and we do and we ask for help to obey. Yeah. Okay. That's, that spirit of, oh, yeah, I was just going to say that spirit of submission <laughs> that we've been talking about submitting over to Christ and saying, if this is where I need to change, then, <laughs> then I, I better do it. But yeah, absolutely. Well, without a doubt, a spiritual battle requires spiritual armor. We can't do this by ourselves. We can't do this in our own strength. We can't do this through our own resources. Uh, we need God. We need his help. We need the armor that he supplies and, and we need to put it on and we need to put it on daily. And so um, we don't do this by ourselves. We do this in community with one another as saints, as followers of Christ. We're engaged in a spiritual battle. So we need the spiritual armor of God to help us to stand and to be faithful and to be obedient. Well, gentlemen, thank you for your time. We um, Thank our listening audience as well for tuning in as we've uh, continued our discussion through Paul's letter to the Ephesians. And we look forward to gathering with our First NSB family this Sunday at 9 o'clock and 1030 for worship. We hope you have a great Monday.